So we're starting this morning to look at the book of Galatians book. It's a letter written by Paul, uh, probably about 48, 49 AD. Um, and the thing that, that we want to think about as we look at this this morning is when is something no longer that thing? When is something no longer that thing? For example, bread. Um, when is bread no longer bread? Um, you may have heard of the Real Bread campaign. If you haven't, you have now. The Real Bread campaign says bread is a very simple thing. It's made up of flour, water, yeast, um, a little bit of um, fat. Um, that's it. A um, bit of salt, maybe. Um, but there aren't any additives in it. And, and most of the stuff that we buy in the shops called bread is not actually bread. It's been, it's been filled with all these horrible additives, so much so that it bloats you up and it ruins your digestive system and it shouldn't be called bread. Um, uh, the end of February is going to be Real Bread Week, apparently. Um, something for us to celebrate all together. Um, but apparently, I don't know, um, not everyone thinks bread is that important. Um, so, so let me shift my metaphor uh, for a moment. Um, how about, let me see what I've got in my bag, um, a lovely, refreshing drink. Let's see. Diet Coke, refreshing taste, no calories, no sugar, no additives, I'm sure. Listen to this. Yeah, we like that, don't we? Kind of noise. Pour it in. Mm. Anybody feeling thirsty? Anybody need the toilet? Doing all right, then. Go. Put a bit in there. Let's make it super refreshing. I have in my little flask some ice. Just to top it off. Ah, hasn't melted too much. There we go, a little bit of ice. Lovely, look at that. Beautiful, isn't it? So imagine with me that it is not um, January and freezing cold. Imagine you're sitting on a beach. Imagine that, can you see it? The sun beating on your face. Lying back on a, on a chair. Somebody brings you this lovely, refreshing drink. That's wonderful, isn't it? They offer it to you. And then they say, just one thing, just one thing. We just want to add a few things to it. Add, add a little bit extra. Let's see what I've got in my, in my little green bag here. See what we've got. I found this in the garden this morning, so it's all fresh. Lovely little pile of, uh, of stuff. I really don't want to get this anywhere other than a cup. It is. Let's see. Wait a second. Bear with me. You're all excited. All right. Oh, golly. Ugh. Yeah, I, I would touch it, but I, I, I kind of went over the top a little bit. We had a lovely pile of rabbit poo in our garden. I put all that in. Lovely. Some grit in there as well. Won't put it all in. You don't want to overdo things. There you go. Lovely, refreshing drink, isn't it? Anybody want it? Anybody want a taste? It, it, isn't it still a refreshing drink? I haven't taken any of the refreshing bit out of it. I haven't changed it. I just, just put some stuff in it. It's the same drink, isn't it? Anybody, anybody fancy? No. No, very clear there, Malachi. Very sensible. No. No, here's the point. Adding stuff stops it being what it is. So Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, not about bread or about drinks. He writes about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And our question is, when is the gospel no longer gospel? That's what we want to think about. Um, well, let's think about the background to this letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote. Uh, we can read about the background in Acts chapter 13 and 14. Uh, Paul visited this region in red there called Galatia. 
Uh, and in Galatia, he went to four places. We zoom in a little bit. There he is. That's probably what Paul looked like. And first of all, he went to um, Pisidian Antioch. He went there. He told them the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And there were some Jews in the town who didn't like it. So they stirred up trouble and he got sent away. So he went on to Iconium. And in Iconium, he told them the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And in Iconium, the whole town was divided. Some people got pretty angry and they were planning to throw stones at Paul to kill him. So he ran away and he came to Lystra. Uh, in Lystra, Paul told them the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And, and in Lystra, the people got so confused and they started to worship Paul as God. And they were preparing to sacrifice to him. And so he stopped them. He said, that's really wrong. And they got angry and they did stone him. Um, and they thought he had died. So they dragged his body out of the city. But he wasn't dead. He got up and he went back. And then he moved on to Derby. And he told them the gospel, the good news about Jesus. Uh, and then he visited all those places again in order to, that's not the route he took, and um, all those places again to encourage those who had become Christians. These are the churches that Paul is writing to in the letter called Galatians. And it's probably not even been a year since Paul was there. It's a really short bit of time and something awful has happened. Look in verse 6. Verse 6, Paul says, I am astonished astonished why is he astonished well it says that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of christ and are turning to a different gospel now paul went to these places he told them the gospel and they believed the gospel and he went away and they quickly moved on to something else and the reason he says in verse seven some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of christ so paul sits down and he writes a letter because uh, he wants to help these churches see what is the true gospel and what is not. What is the real deal? And this is a big deal for Paul. He is really bothered about this. He says in verse 8, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And he says it again in verse 9. And what's gone on in these places? Paul has only just left and they've turned away. Uh, these new churches, why are they believing something different? Now, if I were to, um, in fact, um, Matty asked me at dinner yesterday, a would you rather, he likes to ask would you rathers, and he said, would you rather never eat bread, bread again or never make bread again? And that's really tough. So I had to ask him some questions about this. I said, if I never made bread again, would somebody else in the family make bread for the household? Uh, and the children, I think, did some of the children said they would, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they would. So, I tell my children how to make bread. Imagine the scenario. I say, you make some bread, you get some flour, some water, some yeast, some salt, you mix it up, you knead it, you leave it, you shape it, you leave it, you put it in the oven. Very, very simple to make bread. Really, really simple. So I tell them how to do it. And then I go away and I come back to the kitchen and I see that they've got carrots and sugar in there, mashing them up in a bowl with a masher. And then they throw them into a frying pan. And they say, look, dad, we're making bread. And I'd say, you're not. You've gone crazy. Who told you how to make bread like that? That's not how I told you to do it. Now, the people in and around uh, the churches in Galatia are throwing them into confusion. Someone's come and told them to do it differently. Uh, Paul says in verse 10, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? See, it, what seems to have happened in Galatia is that these troublemakers have been speaking about Paul and his message. 
And as we read the whole chapter, we can piece together some of the things that are being said about Paul in Galatia. These people have come in, they said, this guy Paul, what he did, he, he got the message from the disciples, the apostles in Jerusalem, and then he went on to some places where, where there weren't Jewish people. And with this new audience, Paul adapted the message. He, he made it easier for non-Jewish people to cope with. He, he dumbed it down. And he missed out some things that are vital if you want to be saved. And one of the things we'll see later in this letter is circumcision. They're saying Paul took that bit out. He missed that bit because he was a people pleaser. He didn't think it would go down very well. So he made it easier for people to accept it. But what does Paul have to say about that? Well, in verse 11, verse 11 onwards, he says, that's just not what happened. It's not what happened at all. He says, first of all, the gospel I preached is not of human origin. He didn't learn the message from others. Something unique happened to him. He tells in chapter 13 about his old life, in verse 13, sorry, about his old life, how he was, he was verse 14, the next big thing in, in Judaism. He was a rising star among the religious teachers and he hated Christians, really, really hated Christians. He would hunt down anyone who believed in Jesus and get them killed or thrown into prison. That's his life. And he's on his way to hunt down Christians in a place called Damascus. And on the way, Jesus meets him and says, what are you up to? Why are you persecuting me? Uh, Paul met the risen Christ and everything changed. So what did he do? Well, he says in verse 17, what I didn't do was to go to Jerusalem. I, I didn't go and consult with anyone at that point. No, no for, for three years, he traveled around. And then after three years, he went on a 10-day visit to Jerusalem and he saw just Cephas, that's Peter, and James. And he says at that time, the Christians in Judea, the Jewish Christians, they didn't know him. They knew about him. They'd heard the reports of him, but they hadn't met him. And Paul insists on the history. And his point is, I didn't get the gospel and soften it. I didn't take out the hard bits. I didn't change it. I brought the gospel that I received when I met the risen Christ. It's the real gospel and it really matters. Well, Paul thinks it really matters. His passion boils over in this chapter in all kinds of ways. He's, he's so upset at the thought that people might turn to a different gospel. It bothers him. Question for us this morning is this though. Does it bother you? Does it bother you? Now, do, we, do we agree with him? Um, well, well, the thought that people might turn away to a different gospel... Do we care? I think we need to listen um, to what Paul says about the gospel to see why it matters so much. Uh, but before we do that, though, we're going to sing about why it matters so much. Uh, we're going to sing and stand together in Christ alone. Let's stand and sing. Well, please do have your Bibles open as we continue to look at this opening chapter to Galatians. What is it that has happened in Galatia? Uh, Paul's astonished. He told them the good news about Jesus Christ. He told them the gospel and they quickly turned away and he's upset about it. But why? No, no. Why does it really matter? Why does it matter to know when the gospel is not gospel? Well, we need to listen very carefully to what Paul says about the gospel. And really, he says just one thing about the gospel. This is what he says. He says the gospel is Christ. The gospel is Christ. See, this is how Paul describes what happened when he received 
the gospel. He says in verse 12, I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Or perhaps even better, I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul was, was hunting down Christians on his way to Damascus. And on the way to Damascus, he didn't meet a message. And on the way to Damascus, he didn't just have an idea. On the way to Damascus, he met somebody. He was confronted with a person. He met the risen Christ, the revelation of Christ. That's the gospel. Uh, And the revelation of Christ entails everything that is needed. Uh, In verses 3 to 5, Paul kind of gives a little taster of the things he's going to speak about in the letter. Look with me at verses 3 to 5. The first thing he explains is something that is, is just so crucial. So crucial. And the crucial thing is that this present age is evil. says it in verse 4. The present age is evil and we belong to it because of our sin. Probably one of the most obvious things the Bible tells us and one of the most denied. Paul's talking about what the world has been like since the beginning, since the fall. He says the age is evil. We, We see that everywhere. The mark of of suffering over every human life, every society plagued by injustice. And we need to have hospitals and medicines because our humanity is frail. We need to have uh, prisons and courts and judges because, because people are cruel and oppressive. And we need to have morgues and graveyards because humanity is mortal. Now, what did it mean for Paul? Well, we've mentioned his previous life, verse 13 and 14. He was a murderer and a religious fanatic. It meant he did really bad things and really good things, but all his things were godless things. Both in his badness and his goodness, he was actively rebelling against God. And his sin bound him to this age, just like the rest of us. So the question that everybody ought to ask, every one of us ought to be asking the question, is there any escape? Is there any rescue that's possible? We've got to dare to ask that question. And Paul didn't have an answer that was big enough until Christ was revealed. You hear what Christ has done? It says it in verse 4. The Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Christ was revealed as the one who rescues. Gave himself even to die. That's what it is. He gave himself for our sins. The sin, the cause of our corruption. Uh, Because of sin, our age has been given over to evil. Because of sin, we are all under the curse of God and we we deserve to face the condemnation of an eternity under his wrath. But Christ gave himself, not as an accident. It was his plan. It was what he wanted. He gave himself willingly. Christ put himself in our place. He answered the sentence of our condemnation and took the curse from us. And the result of the cross of Christ is that he rescues us from the present evil age. And the word that sums it all up is the first word in verse 3. Do you see the first word in verse 3? Grace. Grace, the gift of Christ, giving himself the, the, the flood of kindness from God to rescue sinners. Christ gave himself. We, we didn't deserve it. Uh, we couldn't earn it. We, we, we were trapped in our rebellion, but Christ came and grace was there. And the result of it is peace. Peace. Verse 4 speaks about the present evil age. Verse 5 says, if you see verse 5, to him, 
to whom? To God to be glory forever and ever. Or literally, to God be glory in the ages of the ages. There is this, this age, this present age that is evil, and there is an age that is glory. Uh, and the present evil age is not forever, but there is an age of glory that will never end. And peace is to be brought into that age of glory, to belong to the place, the world where it is right. Where, where there is no sin, where sorrow is behind us. Christ rescues us, plucks us out, delivers us, lifts us out of the evil age and puts us securely into the glory age. And this peace that, that flows out, but it, Paul, three times in the opening few verses, Paul speaks about God the Father, or God who is our Father. That the peace that flows out from the gracious work of Christ is that, is that sinners and rebels like us can own the God of glory as our heavenly father. We are adopted into his family and we're given the rights of his children. Verse 4 says, that's the will of God. That's what God wants. Verse 15 says, it's God's pleasure. God delights to save sinners. There's not any reluctance on God's part. God isn't holding back in this. God is eager. He's, he, he's, he wants to do it. He delights to do it. He delights to rescue you. That he wants to deliver you. He wants to do everything that's needed to get you to him. And in Christ, he's done it. The gospel is Christ. Now notice what Paul says in verse 16 as he's telling a story. He speaks about God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. Was pleased to reveal his son. Where's his son revealed? In me. That's the gospel. Christ. In me. All the benefits of Christ is death. Giving himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. His resurrection raised up to life. They're all brought to Paul. Christ in me. That's the gospel. But what happened in Galatia? And what's gone on in Galatia is that Paul brought the gospel. And then when he'd gone, they quickly turned to another. And it matters so much. He says in verse 7, it matters so much because it's no gospel at all. If you change the good news, it's not good. The people are are throwing them into confusion saying you've got to have Christ and circumcision. You've got to add to what Paul told you. Paul brought you a half message, a half truth. He didn't tell you everything. He was watering it down. He was leaving bits out. You've got to get all those bits back in. And Paul says, no, no. If you add anything, you lose everything. The gospel is Christ. Now, here's some gospel maths for you. Christ plus anything equals nothing. But Christ plus nothing has everything. The gospel is not an idea, it's a person. That's why in verse 6, Paul doesn't say, I'm astonished that you're so quickly taking on new ideas. He says, I'm astonished you're so quickly deserting the one who called you. When you mess about with the gospel, you're turning from him. But if you haven't got him, well, you haven't got any hope. You haven't got any rescue from this present evil age. What about us? What about us here this morning? How do you answer the question, is there any escape from this present evil age? Now, maybe you just deny the question. You, you think, well, it's not so bad and I'm not so bad. And 
And maybe we just ignore it. We don't stop to think. We, 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 we get busy. We get distracted. We just get on. Now maybe we're like that ancient besieged city that has a great army around it. All its hope is lost. And so they say, well, let's eat, drink and be merry. Because tomorrow we die. And maybe we try to fix it ourselves. We try to make the world better. And it's, it's a noble effort. But we can't so easily fix this inside. And the age remains evil. And we have to ask, is there any chance of rescue? There's no chance if we look at ourselves. But Christ came into the world and gave himself for our sin. And his purpose, the purpose of Christ dying on the cross, the purpose of Christ putting himself into the horrors of death, the purpose is that he might rescue you. Christ came to rescue you. God the Father wants you in his family. And the only escape from the evil age is Christ. And the question we have to ask is, will you have him? Will you have him? And will you have only him? And will you have nothing but him? Christ, is he enough? Is he enough for you? And we're going to sing a couple of songs back to back as we reflect on that. Is Christ, is he enough for us? Christ and Christ alone. Let's stand and sing together. My hope is built on nothing less. It's only Jesus. Christ alone. He is the cornerstone. Our God in heaven, we praise you that all we have is Christ. Christ and Christ alone. Uh, We pray that we'd fix our hope and, and our joy and our satisfaction and our expectation fully and only upon him. Amen. Now, please do take your seats. Galatia, what is happening in Galatia? Paul is astonished because he told them this good news about Jesus, about Christ, about Christ alone, and they quickly turned away. And it matters so much. It matters so much because the gospel is Christ. You cannot mess with the gospel. You can't fiddle with it. You can't take it apart. You can't You can't pick and choose. You can't alter it because if you alter it, it's not gospel. If you change what is good news, it's no longer good. And when the gospel is no longer gospel is when it becomes Christ and anything else. So as we pull this together this morning, there are two challenges that this passage puts before us this morning. Two things for us to think on and pray on as we go into this week. The the first one is this. Uh, Paul says, even if we... Or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. Let them be under God's curse. Those are strong, strong words. But we can see why it matters, can't we? If you go to a different gospel, you lose Christ. And if you lose Christ, you've got nothing. Paul hasn't got space for niceties. If you see someone's about to walk off a cliff, you grab them back with force. So what must they do? They've got to be on guard. They've got to watch out. They've got to carefully weigh up what they are being taught. And that's not easy. There aren't people in the Galatian churches who are saying, don't believe in Christ. That's not the message. There aren't people in the Galatian churches going around with with t-shirts that say, I'm a false teacher, don't believe me. They've got to be discerning. And so must we. We must be careful to examine the things that we are taught. I wonder how much we think about the kind of 
Christian books that we read or the videos we watch or the blogs that we read? Are we aware that people can talk about Christ and be teaching a different gospel? Now, what about here at Kingfisher? Now, if I at the front or, or Paul Dutton, our assistant, or, or anybody preaches a different gospel, would you know it? Are you looking out for it? What matters is our souls, our eternity is on the line here. We've got to guard the gospel for our sake and for the sake of one another. Second great challenge is this. That these Galatians so quickly turned away. So quickly. Less than a year and they had gone. And they turned away to a gospel which is not a gospel. And we have to ask, what makes us think that we will be less prone to wander than they were? Now, why is it that some fervent believers no longer believe? Now, why does it just come so easily? I know it comes so easily for us to be complacent. Just to get careless about our faith. And and that our our prayers become perfunctory if we we even pray at all and our our fellowship flags and, and reading the Bible just becomes something we might just do or we might just not do and we hit and we miss and our Christianity gets so diluted up with everything else and so mixed. And isn't it because, like the Galatians, our hearts so quickly wander? Now, don't we need to talk to ourselves? Talk to ourselves like Paul spoke to the Galatians? I know that I need to do this. I reckon every single morning I need to sit up and I need to speak to myself as Paul speaks to the Galatians. I need to say, I am astonished, Richard. I'm astonished that again you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and have turned again to another gospel. Finding my security, my hope, my, my, my strength, my escape in anything other than Christ and Christ alone. And I need to think on that and think, well, I don't want to desert my Christ. We don't want to turn away from Jesus, do we? We don't want to lose Christ. It would be hell for us not to have the one who gave himself for our sins, wouldn't it? But our hearts are so prone to wonder. Now, perhaps we need to hear, hear, hear the question that Jesus asked his disciples on one occasion when he said to them, are you going to leave me? Are you going to leave me? It's personal. Hear Christ say, are you going to turn away from Christ? And then seek the faith to respond with Peter who said, to whom else shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Now, who else has given themselves for our sin? Who else has done that for us? Who else has given themselves to rescue us from this present evil age? There is no saviour like Jesus. And there is no saving without Jesus. Prone to wonder. Keep on, keep on track. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we, we don't want to leave your son. Father, we don't want to turn away from the Lord Jesus Christ. We've, we, we've seen what he's done for us. We could never do it. No one else could do it. No one else has died for our sin. We don't want to lose Christ, but we know that we're weak and our hearts are prone to wander. Now, please would you guard us. Help us to be quick to keep turning back, to believe the gospel as you delivered it to us. The only, the only gospel which is Jesus Christ and only Christ. Help us to be on our guard against, against false teaching, against any teaching that would tell us we need Christ and anything else. Help us to be on guard for our own sake and for the sake of one another. 
and that we might follow Jesus. We might stick with Jesus as he has stuck to us. Amen. Now we're going to continue to pray as we sing our final song, which is a prayer that asks God to help us. He is the fount of every blessing and we need him, him to help us not to wander. So let's stand and sing together.